Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That it, with your NXT Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. That's right, getting over returns for the second time in as many days as the road to WrestleMania weekend continues this time of course for nxt your favorite source of performance enhancing audio is here as always to break down all seven matches on the stand and deliver card before business picks up saturday afternoon in los angeles california we are going to dive into all of the go home storylines while offering picks and predictions for saturday's big show and as i noted this is the second of seven podcasts we are about to deliver for you over an eight day period so let's not waste any time let's go over the getting over schedule for the week already on the podcast feed of course is your wwe wrestlemania 39 ultimate preview our second biggest and our longest show of the year already for your ear holes in our podcast feed you do not want to miss the wwe wrestlemania 39 ultimate preview it is as detailed a breakdown as you will get anywhere of course today nxt stand and deliver ultimate preview we are coming back thursday with a show breaking down the week that was in aew and we're going to preview ring of honor supercard of honor on saturday we'll be back in the afternoon with your NXT stand and deliver instant analysis early Saturday evening. We, of course, will have a live show for you on Twitter Spaces, WrestleMania 39 night one pre-show Saturday night. As soon as the show goes off the air, we will be here with your WWE WrestleMania 39 night one instant analysis. And then that process, folks, it repeats on Sunday, Sunday, early evening, WrestleMania 39 night two pre-show live on Twitter spaces and Sunday night. As soon as the biggest show of the year goes off the air, WrestleMania 39 night two instant analysis. We wrap it all up on Tuesday with our next WWE edition, our next regular WWE edition, the raw after WrestleMania show on Tuesday. If you are good at math, that is seven podcasts in eight days plus two live shows, and we here at Getting Over are doing it all for you. Now, if you want to pay back some of that love, if you wish to acknowledge us and or support the podcast, Getting Over This Week opened the equivalent of a Patreon through buymeacoffee.com slash gettingover. The link is also in our Twitter bio at Getting Overcast and in our Twitter feed, you can become an official Getting Overhead with a monthly or annual membership and receive a bunch of exclusives, including extra audio and news. Or if you want, you can just buy us a coffee, a beer, whatever. You can do it all on that page, buymeacoffee.com slash Getting Over. You can support the show and we would greatly appreciate it. And guess what? The price is right because on this show, I happen to love the number five. My lucky number is actually seven, but we do on this show. I happen to love the number five. In case there is any worry, though, of things changing here, we appreciate you all so much and have for the last three years that we are keeping this show that you enjoy free and not changing anything for the podcast itself. These are getting over extras. And we do hope that you guys support us on a consistent basis as we produce this show, not just free of charge, but also ad free 
as well. And I would be remiss before we get into this NXT stand and deliver ultimate preview if I did not remind you that the Getting Over Wrestling podcast is all about Defy. So be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Click that five-star rating on Apple. Leave a five-star written review. If you do, we will read it live for you right here on the show. And as I already mentioned, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for episode drops, news analysis highlights all week long. You also get to vote in our polls all around NXT Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania 39 weekend. All right, that is enough of all that. Let's finally get into today's show where we're going to break down everything that happened Tuesday night on NXT and, of course, give you a complete NXT Stand and Deliver ultimate preview. So let's go and knock off a couple items that have nothing to do with the premium live event, and then we'll get into the preview itself. We had Eddie Thorpe against Miles Bourne. This was the in-ring TV debut for Thorpe, who was Carl Fredericks uh, back at NJPW Strong. Thorpe won with a Saito suplex and a swinging neckbreaker. It was a nice debut. There was some strong impact moves, but nothing spectacular. The look worked. Pretty basic match, all things considered. We also got Hank Walker against Drew Gulak. Walker did show some impressive improvement with like a real repertoire of moves. And clearly Gulak is like personally training him behind the scenes just because of how well they work together. Gulak reached the ropes on a flipping armbar. Charlie Dempsey then hit Walker in the back of the head and Gulak escaped with an inside cradle for the one, two, three. Now Gulak not being more competitive and dominant in this match, it took away some of the believability from it, at least for me, because there's no way this Walker neophyte at this point should be able to keep up with Drew Gulak or even dominate him in parts of the match to the level that he did. I know he's bigger and stronger, but it didn't really make a lot of sense. But the work was good overall. And lastly, in this segment of the show, Valentina Ferois fought Electra Lopez. Electra caught Valentina flying and hit Electra Shock, a sit-down choke bomb, uh, probably your finisher, I would assume, for the squash victory. Damn good finisher. I'm down for it. This was a crazy short match for a feud that had actually been developed on TV. Even if it was a low-card feud, five, six, seven-minute match, something like that. I think it got three, maybe, maybe not even three. I just didn't even understand what the point was of throwing it on the show if you're not going to give it a little time. So that was everything that happened on NXT that did not directly have to do with Stand and Deliver, which brings us to the NXT Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. Seven matches. We're going to break them all down, discuss what happened on the Go Home NXT, and of course, at the end, give you our picks and predictions plus a pre-show expectation grade at the end of this podcast. So let's start with the lowest match on the card, Chase U and Tyler Bate going up against Schism for control of Chase U on NXT. We had Tyler Bate against Von Wagner. Andre Chase gave Bate a pep talk saying he was the one to take down Wagner, who Chase U as a whole has struggled to defeat historically. Duke Hudson was less than thrilled with the entire thing, but he went along for the ride anyway. Bate hit the rebound punch and a bop and bang. Mr. Stone pulled his leg, but got beat up by Thea Hale. Wagner then Irish whipped Bate, who hit a tope cone hero using the momentum to throw himself outside into Stone. He added a rebound lariat and a spinning boy for the win as Hudson just remained unamused despite the victory. A schism after the bell showed a video of them like taking over the curriculum, putting Chase U students in masks. It was probably the best video package we've ever gotten from that group to this point. Ultimately, though, it didn't advance the match that much. And it is to my utter shock that this match appeals to me. 
I, it's, it's, trust me, it's as surprising uh, to me as it may be to you hearing it. Chase U has been entertaining from the start, but Schism has slowly but surely made some key changes that makes them palatable now, where previously they were not. There is an interesting storyline to be told if they were to take over the university, but Chase U is not really strong enough as a gimmick where it would make sense for them to rally and then take it back from Schism, so to say. The Hudson character seems to be the linchpin here, where maybe his malaise leads to a loss or perhaps even turns on Chase U directly. But again, I don't see how this would play out if Schism wins, given they've now put the stipulation on the match. So for a prediction, I'm going to pick Chase U. If it didn't have the stipulation, I would have gone with Schism, but there is one, so that changed my uh, prediction. We'll move to the Women's Tag Team Championship. Fallon Henley and Kiana James defending the titles against Alba Fire and Isla Dawn on NXT. Kiana was backstage. She was supposed to tell Brooks Jensen about her cheating with Sebastian. Instead, to Fallon's dismay, she explained to the guys that she actually got them a chance to earn a spot in the tag team title match. Henley was pissed that she kind of threw the wool over her eyes, but the guys were psyched about the entire thing. Later, Henley said that she was going to tell Jensen as soon as their match was over. And when the match ended, Henley prompted James to go ahead and tell Jensen the truth. Instead of telling him something, she showed him by kissing him. And Fallon was confused. Also, the heels got a vignette, Fire and Dawn, saying it's always darkest before the dawn. And when there's smoke, there's fire. Get it? Uh, The Henley-Jensen stuff continues to irk me to no end. It is so nonsensical. Hey, Fallon, call or text your boy. You've had a week since you last saw him at NXT. Reach out. It's 2023. Pull him aside at any time. You know you can't trust Kiana. So at this point, you're just straight up being a bad friend. And at this juncture, what is the point of this entire storyline? Like, okay, they will eventually feud. And then what? Like, I know some of you enjoy it and more power to you if you do. But we all have our own taste, and this just bothers me to no end. I am so done with the entire thing. As I've said all along, the only way putting the titles on Henley and James makes even a shred of sense is if they are used as transitional champions so Fire and Dawn can take the straps without beating the KCs. And if they execute that at Stand and Deliver, I can somewhat excuse the booking. But this storyline has been dreadful. There's little actual feud between the two teams that are challenging for the titles. And it's easily the match I'm looking forward to least on the entire card, which is a shame because fire, you can make an argument as the best wrestler in NXT right now. So I am predicting the title change, Dawn and fire winning them. I hope it happens. And I hope on the Monday after WrestleMania or the Friday after WrestleMania, we see Katana Chance and Caden Carter on Raw or SmackDown where they should have been probably a year ago at this point. For the men's tag team championship, we have Gallus against the Creed Brothers and the D'Angelo family in a triple threat. Now, the match where Briggs and Jensen could get in there was D'Angelo family against Briggs and Jensen on NXT. There was an assisted elevated spinning heel kick off the top rope that was a combination between that and a cannonball. It just looked like it was botched. Uh, The finish was Briggs getting knocked over the ropes and Tony D'Angelo tagging in for a double lifted backslam or flop slam or something like that on Jensen. It was not a good finisher at all. They're a new team, and at least they got a clean win over an established NXT team. Gallus backstage explained that they were down to defend the titles against any number of teams as long as those teams made good cases like their challengers at this show, Stand and Deliver, have. 
Uh, this was a straight babyface promo from them. I could have sworn they were heels. It was really confusing given now it seems like all three teams here are babyfaces, including Gallus, who were heels when they won the title, I'm pretty sure, and D'Angelo family, who are mafia hitmen, <laughs> and, and a mafia boss and a hitman, and they're babyfaces, which is fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. It's wrestling. But for all three teams in the match to be faces when it's unnecessary just really seems weird. Now, despite there being some talented wrestlers here, my interest level in this match is almost non-existent. It did not need to be on the card at all. It barely has a storyline. Gallus just won the titles in February. D'Angelo family isn't built up enough. And while the Creeds could work as champions, they just had the titles last year. Now, I assume this is as simple as Gallus retaining by pinning stacks. I wish I had more to say about it, and I do for the other matches on this card, but for this one, I don't. Gallus has been boring as sin since winning the titles, and this match for me is largely uninteresting, despite how much I do like the Creed brothers. For the North American Championship, we have Wesley against Dragon Lee, JD McDonough, Isla Dragunov, and one entrant to be determined by a battle royal on NXT. So Quincy Elliott may have been the fastest elimination in the history of battle royals, uh, going out like four seconds after the bell rang. Dabakato heaved Apollo Crews out of the ring that left him, Jinder Mahal, Axiom, Nathan Frazier, and Charlie Dempsey as the final five. The High Flyers teamed up to eliminate Jinder and Kato. Dempsey hit a really sick tilt-a-world German suplex on Axiom, who had a really unique presence of mind dropkick on the mat to eliminate Dempsey, who was already over the top rope. The faces then went off crazy. Axiom and Frazier went at it. Frazier had a springboard flip inverted DDT, then countered golden ratio with a super kick. Frazier then got caught flipping back over the ropes like HBK with a super kick, and then he got eliminated with Axiom standing tall. After the bell, everyone in the match uh, hit the ring for a stare down, and that basically ended the segment. This was a tremendous battle royal. I'm not suggesting like it was an all-time great battle royal or anything, but it was paced extremely well. The fat got trimmed early, and the final two in Axiom and Frazier really got time to show out. And there is something with those two guys. They just work extremely well together. And I'm not saying I want them like thrown or forced into a tag team, but holy shit, they would be an exciting tag team. And then on top of everything else, of course, we got the right winner based on the storyline Axiom has been trying to get a North American championship match. And this match that we're getting on the card is loaded. It's very much a cruiserweight fatal five-way, so don't get that wrong. When we make predictions here on multi-man matches, uh, it's always best, at least for me, to use process of elimination. I can see McDonough and Dragunov canceling each other out in the finish as their feud can easily continue man-to-man, one-on-one, past stand-and-deliver. Axiom, while great, doesn't need a title. At least I don't believe he does. And he isn't prominent enough right now to be the person who takes the title off Wesley. Although I would say if you're ranking the people who can win the match, he would be third where it would make the most sense. This 160 day mark with Wesley's title reign, it's about where NXT changes the North American championship historically. The only champion with a substantially longer reign was Velveteen Dream, and that was back in 2019. And that seems like forever ago. We also know that the pitch to Dragon Lee was spending a year in NXT improving his English promo skills, and then jumping to the main roster. And if that is indeed his track, winning the North American title in this spot, possibly, you know, eliminating Wesley from the proceedings and pinning Axiom 
to get the title, that makes a lot of sense as far as I'm concerned. So my prediction is Wesley losing the title and Dragon Lee winning it. But my top three on the match, who I think any of them, you know, in theory could win, would be Wesley, Axiom, and Dragon Lee. Again, Dragon Lee is who I do believe will walk out as the North American champion. So let's move to the one match remaining on this card that we're going to discuss, at least, that is not a title match. Johnny Gargano against Grayson Waller, unsanctioned. Uh, Vic Joseph on NXT handed Waller in the main event segment the contract as security surrounded the ring. Waller told his NXT story and called Gargano the biggest mark in the business. He said he listened to Johnny's bet on yourself message when he attacked him with the chair a couple of years ago and that it worked because guess what? Now he has a contract with the top big match superstar in NXT for WrestleMania weekend. Just as he was talking about uh, using Gargano for his game, Johnny's music hit and it was revealed he was actually dressed up as one of the cameramen at ringside. That led to an extended pull-apart brawl with Gargano seeming to bust open his nose before the show ended. Top-notch promo from Waller in this segment, and a really strong go-home moment overall, not just for the match, but for NXT as a whole. Gargano getting a chance to come back to NXT and pay off Waller's attack from a couple years ago makes sense. Uh, This is one of the matches I'm most excited to watch on the entire card. I don't know that the unsanctioned stipulation was necessary, though perhaps that is going to directly play into the finish that they've booked to excuse the loss for whoever ultimately takes the L. And that, of course, is the next question. There's cases for each of these guys to win. Waller seemingly be on the precipice of a call-up or at least ready to stick in the main event scene on NXT permanently, one of those two. Gargano already being on the main roster, and used quite a bit, yet still needing a little bit of a boost, given it's been a slow start on Raw to this point. It could be a situation where Gargano loses, Tommaso Ciampa returns, they reform DIY, and that builds him back. Or it could be a situation where Gargano wins, and that is used to kick him back into gear, coming off a great WrestleMania weekend performance. I'm of the belief that NXT folks should go out on their own backs when getting called up. And I do believe Waller is headed for their main roster. So I expect Gargano to win with them being split, one of them on Raw, one of them on SmackDown, either upon the call-up or once they do a draft or WWE decides what the hell it's going to do about its rosters because it does really need to remix these rosters. If not, then Gargano not only took those chair shots and got clowned by Waller, he effectively goes 0 for 2 against him and loses the feud despite already being on the main roster. I don't like any of that. So Waller going over just feels unnecessary in nearly every way, whereas Gargano can actually benefit from coming down and restating, hey, I am the man in NXT. You put me on one of these cards, I win. That's what I do. So my prediction, of course, is Gargano beating Waller. In the women's championship ladder match, we have Zoe Stark, Tiffany Stratton, Lyra Valkyria, and Gigi Dolan. And then on NXT Tuesday, we found out the fifth member, of this match. That match was Sol Ruka against Ivy Nile and Indy Hartwell in a triple threat last chance qualifier. Ruka hit a great moonsault outside. Then she hit a cartwheel splash on Nile, but missed one on Hartwell. Ivy got the choke on Indy in the near corner. That allowed Ruka to hit Soul Snatcher on Nile. Indy then hit a running forearm on Ivy. She pushed Soul out of the ring, shot the half, and got the win. This was a really fun triple threat sprint. I was almost positive Ruka was winning. She was the MVP of the match and easily the most impressive of the three. But Indy winning was a pleasant surprise. And like with the men, the women all after the bell stared each other down. 
also on the show regarding this match. Roxanne Perez, the NXT Women's Champion, was backstage. She had a huge smile on her face looking for Shawn Michaels. She found his office and told him, I got cleared to return. My diagnosis was a mix of exhaustion and anxiety. Shawn said her health was the top priority and defending the title was not the most important thing. He suggested she not defend the title, but get the first title shot after she wrestles a few times following Stand and Deliver. Roxy explained her anxiety, and Sean said that while she's better physically, she needs to get all there mentally. Perez countered that Michaels always came alive on WrestleMania weekend, and she wants to do the same because she has to confront her anxiety and not run away from it. She begged to get a chance to set an example for others because of her condition and all that, and HBK eventually relented only if she promised to get multiple follow-ups and clearances because, hey, at the end of the day, she does deserve the right to defend her title. Now, look, this was a bit corny in terms of how it was set up, and Roxy still has a ways to go until she's a believable character simply due to her inexperienced acting. But credit to her and NXT for doing a mental health storyline, whether it's based in reality or it's pure fiction, is almost irrelevant because you never really see stuff like this on wrestling television. The creative here remains a little bit curious. There's rumors something legitimately happened to Roxy that required this angle. Perhaps she really did have an anxiety type of situation, though she did have the match with Miko Satomura, and the booking was made before that match happened, so that doesn't necessarily compute. But all in all, this did succeed in garnering a lot more sympathy for her, and she ultimately needed to be in this match defending her title as long as she was healthy to do so, an angle where she's injured or has a, a mental health condition and can't compete if it's purely an angle, you know, that's not great. So the fact that they did the angle, but they're using it, you know, both for sympathy and both to send a message of strength to the viewers, I think that's really cool and unique, and they do deserve some credit for that. Now, the booking of this match is certainly going to be interesting. Again, in a multi-person match like this, we use process of elimination. Valkyria is the easiest one to nix. I can't see her winning the title, but I could really make a case for anyone else. Hartwell is the NXT veteran needing a breakout badly. Stark is the best in-ring talent in the match and the most main roster ready other than Alba Fire out of any of the women in NXT. Dolan is super over and could take the rocket strapped to her and just go. Stratton has the highest upside and really does feel rejuvenated since her return. And then Perez literally just beat freaking Miko Satomura, the final boss. Her title reign has been decently strong. And though she won the title probably two months earlier than they originally planned, she's still young and in her first reign. That makes this match an extremely tough call. I think it ultimately comes down to Perez or Stratton, and the odds are probably with Stratton, which is understandable, but given the storyline and the win over Satomura, Perez overcoming these obstacles and retaining the title in a six-woman ladder match, it just makes a lot more sense to me, especially because... I'm expecting there to be three title changes already on this card. So, you know, Roxy, if she does retain, she can always lose to Stratton on a TV special or the next premium live event. There's still ways to change it, but I don't know that you do a mental health storyline and have her gut it up and compete and then still lose if you're trying to send a message of overcoming obstacles and teaching people how to, you know, live with anxiety and fight it and not let it stop them. So, I'm going with Roxanne Perez defending the title as kayfabe unlikely as it may be in a six-woman ladder match. 
And that brings us to the main event for the NXT Championship, the match we have been waiting for, Braun Breaker defending against Carmelo Hayes. NXT gave us the prime target video package special. Braun discussed them coming up in the same recruiting class. Melo explained how he changed his training regimen and is skipping after parties. That way he can focus. Breaker laughed, saying he doesn't go clubbing at all and is purely focused on being the guy. He talked about carrying NXT on his shoulders for two years, claiming to be the most dominant NXT champion of all time. And that's not exactly untrue, at least for the men. Uh, Melo wanted his crown and Braun guaranteed that he would retain the title. And there is no doubt that this is the match on Stand and Deliver. I mean, it's the match that we've been waiting to see for at least a year at this point. It's also easily the best feud of Braun's entire second title reign by a significant margin. But there's also not much analysis to do here, right? Like the majority of Breaker's title reign has been an eye roll. The main event scene badly needs a refresh. NXT seems smart enough to not try to force Melo into a heel role because fan sentiment is fully behind him knocking off Braun. And that's not only the right decision, it's the necessary decision. And I do expect ultimately that Carmelo Hayes beats Braun Breaker for the NXT title here. I hope it happens without interference from Trick Williams, but even if it does, to some degree, I would hope that that happens earlier in the match, Trick gets taken out, and then Melo still finds a way to win on his own. Perhaps more interesting, though, than the prediction of who wins the match, again, Mello is my pick, is what happens to Breaker after he loses the title? Because as far as I'm concerned, he is not at all ready for the main roster. He has almost no experience working without a title, and a heel turn would do him a ton of good in NXT to work on another side of his personality, maybe find a personality. I'm not saying he doesn't have one, but it's pretty thin at this point. He also needs to work on his promo, and I see no immediate benefit whatsoever to a post-WrestleMania call-up to Raw or SmackDown. So hopefully, Melo wins the title, Braun takes a little bit of a break, he returns to NXT in a few weeks or a couple months, that would be the best for everyone, and in the end though, what matters most is that Melo walks out of stand and deliver as the new NXT champion. So that is the ultimate preview for NXT stand and deliver that leaves us with delivering a pre-show expectation grade. I am not massively excited for the card as I am for WrestleMania, and seven matches are a lot for an NXT event, but four of them have the chance to be memorable. Gargano-Waller is a great feud. The North American title match may be truly spectacular. The women's ladder match has a chance to deliver big, and Braun Mello is the most anticipated NXT match in at least a year. So there's enough on the docket for me to give this a pre-show grade of B+, like an 87 out of 100 at the bottom of that B plus range, which also means that it has a good opportunity to fall below the expectation, but it also will probably take a lot to exceed it because it has to eclipse that B plus range and get into the A minus range or better. And I do believe that that is a Fair expectation grade overall. Better than good, but not necessarily great. And NXT will have the opportunity to prove all of that when they, sure, stand and deliver this Saturday afternoon, a few hours before night one of WrestleMania 39 begins. And I am excited to be able to bring you full coverage, of course, of NXT stand and deliver on Saturday in a separate podcast before we get into anything happening 
at WrestleMania. So allow me to go over once again, the schedule for the week already in your feed is the WWE WrestleMania 39 ultimate preview more than two and a half hours, breaking down every single match on the WrestleMania card with picks, predictions and analysis of where WWE is going from here on. You do not want to miss that show. As soon as this ends, go back and listen to that. If you have not already anyway, that is already published. Of course, we got your stand and deliver ultimate preview here on Thursday. We'll be back talking AEW and ROH Supercard of Honor. Then Saturday, your NXT stand and deliver instant analysis Saturday afternoon as soon as that show goes off the air. Early Saturday evening, your WrestleMania 39 night one pre-show on Twitter spaces. Later Saturday evening, your WrestleMania 39 night one instant analysis right here on the podcast feed early Sunday evening, your WrestleMania 39 night two pre-show and late Sunday evening, your WrestleMania 39 night two instant analysis and wrapping it all up. The seventh podcast we will do in an eight day span, the raw after WrestleMania pod on Tuesday, just a few hours, obviously after that raw goes off the air. As always, folks, we appreciate you greatly for subscribing and listening to the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Do not forget to head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. You can also find the link in our Twitter bio if you want to support the show and become an official Getting Overhead, a member, and get some additional benefits as well. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast to join in those Twitter spaces so you can vote in the pre and post show polls for Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania 39. And of course, you can get episode drops, news analysis, highlights, and so much more. And one more reminder on the way out, please do not forget that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is all about the five. So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, drop those five-star ratings on Apple, leave a written review as well, because if you do, we will read it live right here on the show. We're two episodes into WrestleMania week, and we have so much more to go. Thank you all for listening. Once again, it is time for the Silver King to sign off and leave you with just three final words. Bye for now.